If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today we're going to have a regular guest, Sophie Barrington. Sophie's been on before in episode number 214. If you'd like to go back and just get a little bit more of a feel and more of an idea from Sophie, but Sophie's coming on. She's a marketing agency who specialises in horse businesses. So she's got horse business clients, not just in Australia, but around the world, and she focuses on their marketing, their website. And today we're going to talk about 10 tips to improve your website. How are you today, Sophie? I'm great, Glenis. How great, are you? Great. Now, your business, archercreative.net.au, is that right? So people want to find that is a bit correct. more? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's yeah. the one. And we'll, we'll say that again towards the end of the interview anyway. Sophie, I've got a list here of 10 tips to improve your website. And we're going to do a bit of a countdown, I think, so that in the end, up to number one, we've got the number one Thing that people need to do to improve their website. So we're going to start off with number 10, which is keep company and customer data safe with a strong website security. Would you like to talk a bit more about that? For sure. So it should come as no surprise that this features in my top 10 list uh, for improving your website. With a lot of new data breach laws emerging in Australia, uh, it's really important that equine businesses become familiar with these types of laws and obviously the importance of protecting customer and client data and obviously company data is sacrosanct. So it's really critical uh, for this particular point that people choose a reputable and reliable website developer who is equipped to install and manage your website security. One thing I do want to particularly note here, Glennis, is that when people uh, build their websites, it's really important they choose a content management system uh, that obviously has security features embedded, um, but actually looks at installing additional plugins to really enhance their website security. And we really suggest as well uh, to install website security in multiple layers. So you're protecting not only data, um, but everything from the actual website itself right through to your server. Yep, yep. And I think it's important also too, you know, like as a horse person, if you want to get better at something, you employ a coach, a mentor, someone that's going to keep improving things. But to do with this, like changing laws in website data, I'm sure that everyone wakes up in the morning before they go and ride their horse, they go and look at the latest laws in website <laughs> data, like not. So I think it's important to realise that if we've got a company like yours, that those little things, we need to be aware of them. But, mm. but also to know that you're doing the research and we don't have to. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what's really important why it doesn't matter whether you choose Archer Creative or choose someone else. The most important thing is that the website developer and the website development team that you actually work with are reputable and reliable because they really do need to know their stuff to not only create a great website that works well and looks great, but obviously one that ultimately protects all of the data behind it. Yep. Yeah. All right. Now, the next one we've got is number nine, working backwards again. Um, invest in quality hosting from the outset to avoid issues later. What type of issues would we be avoiding? 
Yeah, well, basically, when it comes to website hosting, this is really one of those areas where you truly get what you pay for. Uh, with hosting, a lot of uh, businesses that I've spoken to, ones that have worked with us and ones that haven't worked with us in the past, um, ultimately, you know, it can be really tempting to cut costs in this area. There's quite a number of offshore website hosting providers where it's really quite cheap. You might be talking just a couple of dollars a month to host your website. And what that means essentially is that your domain name, so, for example, my own is archercreative.net.au. That domain will be obviously hosted and the website itself, what people see on the front end, will be will have a place to live on the internet. Unfortunately, though, when you choose a cheap hosting provider, you can run into a number of issues. Uh, one issue might even be as simple as customer service. If you're trying to get a hold of someone who's offshore or doesn't have a good phone line, you might be relegated to having to try and contact them through a messaging service or through email and ultimately it can get really frustrating and then other issues obviously more technical and more severe type issues that can occur is that your website may go offline uh, that hosting provider may for some reason um, you know disappear so there's quite a number of issues you're really placing a lot of trust in in the company that you choose so what's really critical for businesses to have a look at if they are hosting with a provider that's really not providing an exceptional service is to start looking at some other options and I would encourage them to look within Australia that their website is hosted here if they're based here and likewise in their own country just for the best quality of service. Ultimately, any kind of, you know, cutting costs that you're going to be getting in the short term might end up costing your business more, not only in money, but obviously wasted time and energy. Now, Sophie, I'm going to ask you to take a step back here and just do a really basic, basic explanation Mm -hmm. about what website design putting a website together and then hosting, mm-hmm. what is needed there? Because some people just think, I just want to get a website, you know, I just mm. want to get a website, that's it, full stop. But there's really different steps there, isn't there? It's got to be designed, then it's got to be made, and then it's got to be hosted so it stays online. That is correct. It will depend on someone's budget. So, Mm -hmm. one example of what we have done for clients in the past is we look at doing a build using a pre-existing theme. So, we use WordPress at Archer Creative for all of the websites we've ever built and that we ever really intend to build. WordPress is used by about 25% of the world's websites. It's a really great CMS or content management system is what that acronym stands for. Essentially, what we could do is when someone comes to us with, with quite a limited budget, first thing that we need to do is purchase a domain name. So, that is the website URL um, that you'll obviously type in directly into a browser to go to someone's website. So, that domain name normally will be a couple of dollars per 12 months. So, we purchase that domain. And then what is also really important is that people set up an email address connected to the domain. One of the common things that a lot of horsey businesses do is they'll use Hotmail or Gmail as their email address. And it's just one of those little easy things um, that with the right support person, you can easily get something attached to your actual domain. So, that in a nutshell is the URL and the email address side of things. Um, Certainly, looking at the design and build of the website, as I mentioned, you can use a pre-existing theme, which can range from a couple of dollars through to a couple of hundred. Or another alternative is we can do custom builds. And this is where clients have a little bit more money to spend. But ultimately, the importance of spending that money is they actually get a 
website, which is completely original and 100% designed uh, to their needs and their business. So rather than using a template that you might find elsewhere on the web, you're going to have obviously something that's very unique to your business, which is an important part of branding as well. And then the actual launch of the website, when the website goes live, it'll obviously be searchable under that domain name or URL. And that ultimately is what lives online uh, through your hosting provider. Okay. No, that's good. I mean, we're horse people. We're not technical people. Mm. So sometimes questions like that for someone, This is I know it's about improving your website, but mm. there may be some listeners who don't actually have a website yet. So it's great that we've covered that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously, any kind of questions, any technical questions, it can be quite confusing to know what you're talking about. And mm-hmm. let me know if there are any other questions that come through as a result of this podcast, and I'd be yep. happy to answer them. Brilliant. Okay, now the next one is number eight. So taking a step back and assessing your website using the five pace test. Yeah, so the five pace test is, um, as it kind of sounds, it's obviously a very simple test where you literally are going to take a few steps back from your website. So one of the key elements with improving a website is really starting with the homepage. Obviously, the homepage, when you go directly to a website, it's really one of the first places you're going to go to. Normally, it is the most popular page on a website in addition to an about page or a product or service page. So ultimately, if someone arrives on the website and you really want to assess what the first impression is of your website, take a couple of step backs from your computer. So open up your website on your browser, bring it up to a full screen so it's nice and visible, and then take about five big paces back from your chair and have a look and see if the message, the imagery, the colors, if ultimately everything is legible and readable and easy to understand from afar. That's the type of impression that someone who knows nothing about your business is going to get when they first arrive on your website. Can they tell immediately what your business does and how your business can help them? If your homepage can answer those two questions straight away, even from a short distance, you're definitely doing something right. Good, good. There was something I was going to say there to do with the five-pace test is even if your eyes are a little bit dull as you get closer, it's Mm. the first thing that stands Mm. out, isn't it? It may be an image or it may be a, a word or something, but it's the first thing that stands out. Yeah. Yeah, that is correct. Yep, yep. Okay, now we've got ensure moving visuals don't detract from the customer experience. So what is wrong with moving visuals and how can they detract? Yeah, absolutely. So with moving visuals, it's an interesting one because I will I will kind of share some info here from my experience with Archer Creative and doing websites a couple of years ago. We would often look at a homepage and integrate some moving visuals into the homepage. One of the most common things that you'll see is a rotating banner and you might have three to five slides normally when you arrive on the homepage within a couple of seconds that above the fold section with an image will often rotate and show you a new image and then it will continue to do that over and over again every few seconds. Now, what's actually becoming quite clear is that sometimes moving visuals like that can actually detract um, from the customer experience when they arrive on the website. It can become quite confusing, especially if each image is quite different and the message or the copy on top of that image is quite different. The really important thing with the homepage is you want to just really get one key message across and that 
is what you can do and how you can help your customer. Ultimately, there are moving visuals that actually can be really good, though, in terms of enhancing the customer experience. One really key example is an e-commerce website. So, obviously, this is the website where people are selling uh, products online and people can view a product and then make a purchase without having to leave the website at all and the product will ultimately get delivered to their front door. Now, one example where the moving visuals do actually work and they do work quite well is when someone's viewing a product online and they can see a rotating or several visuals down the bottom which may be moving showing recommended products they may be interested in. Studies are actually really showing that that type of uh, particular tactic can actually work well because ultimately they are online, they're shopping, they're having a look at your products and they might look and go, oh, that looks great. I want to go check out what that product is all about as well. So, it's just really important to have a look at any moving visuals on your website and just really asking yourself, is this going to cause confusion or frustration? Is this ultimately giving people too many messages for them to comprehend all in one go? And to find out results like that, you do some testing, wouldn't you? You know, you test it like with that carousel without it and just test it over a period of time, what increases percentage-wise the people coming in and people staying? That is correct. So, one major platform that a lot of businesses should really start to have a look at is Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. That obviously is kind of really the standard of the platform to have in the back end of your business website. So, you can track uh, everything from page visits and how long people are spending on pages to really kind of monitor and assess and gauge if people are enjoying your website or they're not enjoying your website. One particular performance metric uh, to have a look out for is a high bounce rate. So, that means someone is going through a method and coming across one of the pages of your website. For example, they might have gone into Google, they might have searched for a particular type of product for their horse, and they've found uh, one of the pages of your website. If it's taken them to a page that they immediately don't find valuable or interesting, or obviously one of the one of the big mistakes people can make is have a broken link, so it takes them to a page that doesn't even exist. Um, obviously, that, that high bounce rate is going to show people coming to the page and then leaving very, very quickly. So, that is one number we actually want to get down, whereas there are other numbers, obviously, that we want to get up. We want to have lots of people come into your website and spending lots of time on your website, but we don't want a high bounce rate. We want to really reduce that number ultimately to zero. Now, the next thing we've got is keep your website updated. And we're up to number six, by the way. This is a countdown. So, we've done 10, 9, 8, 7. This is number six. We've got keep your website updated regularly, both front end and back end. Yes, so a regularly updated website ultimately is going to rank well in Google. One of the best things you can do for your website is to add fresh content on a regular basis. Now, most often this is in the form of a blog. So, a blog post, we're looking at about about 300 words is the standard, but you will get some information from the back-end system, from your WordPress system if you're using that. Likewise, you can work with someone to help you develop content and work out the ideal word count for your business. Now, if blog writing isn't something you're very good at, it's definitely something to have a look at potentially outsourcing. But that fresh content updated on a regular basis, um, monthly at a minimum, but really we're talking about maybe a weekly or a fortnightly blog post to keep that, that refresh on your website is really, really critical. Now, what that basically does is that helps your website to rank higher in Google without having to spend any money. It will certainly cost you a little bit of effort if you're going to be producing your own blogs. 
but it's one of the easiest ways to help your website move up and up to hopefully page one and hopefully the first slot on page one of those Google search results. But what's also really important is looking at the back end of your website. And this is where having a managed hosting provider, someone who actually takes care of your website on your behalf on a regular basis can be really helpful. That is something that we do at Archer Creative. But basically the back end of your website will need to be kept up to date. The CMS system, any kind of plugins, any kind of security software, they're going to need refreshes and updates normally about once a month. And it's really important that people have a login to their website and they're able to learn the basics of how to do that. One big thing that I'm really an advocate for having built a lot of websites over the years is when we build a website for someone, we give them their own login to their website so they can jump in, add fresh content, make changes to their current content and obviously ultimately have control over the site. Unfortunately, there are going to be website developers you come across who won't allow you to do that and then they may charge you in addition um, to get access and to make changes to your website, which obviously not only is frustrating, but certainly can, can add up over time. So I highly recommend, again, regardless of who you choose to go with, if you do need to rebuild or you're wanting to start a new website from scratch, is to really make sure that you have access with your own login so you really do have control over your website. Yep. Look, I've heard some horror stories too, you know, of people paying a lot of money to get websites mm. built and then losing control. You know, they mm. just want to change or adjust some words, then it's going to cost them hundreds of dollars to get that changed. Yes. And yeah, yeah. So just some horror stories. So I think that's a very important tip there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, down to number five now. So we've got, you know, five, four, three, two, one to go. So number five, the five best tip to improve your website is to reduce page loading time by optimizing images, enable browser caching, etc. Yes, so there's a few things you can do to reduce your page loading time. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, that high bounce rate is one of those uh, particular performance metrics that you actually want to reduce. And the same thing is reducing your page loading time. It might be a little bit of a surprise, but when I talk about um, speed being a killer, I'm actually talking about a slow speed. If you have a website that takes seconds, you know, maybe 10 seconds or longer to load, you're really doing yourself a massive disservice. As you can imagine when people go onto the internet, uh, we expect things to connect quickly. And in fact, a lot of people actually expect a website to load in two seconds or less. That means you literally have two seconds um, to keep the attention of someone who's visiting your website and obviously get them to then spend time on your website having a look through. Now, any, any second over and above two seconds, you really could be losing potential customers who will then go elsewhere looking for similar products or services. So there's a few things that you can do and you can do them uh, with the help of a website developer quite easily. It's not something that takes a huge amount of time depending on how much content uh, you have on your website. So one of the key things is to start by optimizing images. So a lot of websites have great images on them. They have high quality images and sometimes video as well, but they're not optimized for the web. So it means that those high quality images that may be quite large in file size are 
ultimately slowing down the page loading time, which is obviously not a good thing. So what we want to do is optimize those images. And there's a number of little steps that a website developer can do for you uh, to bring down um, and really optimize the file size. And then secondary to that is what's called enabling your browser caching. So browser caching essentially really quickens up the process when someone comes back to your website. It essentially means that the browser that you use, for example, it might be Internet Explorer or Firefox or Safari, depending on the device or the computer that you're using. But if they've come to your website before and they're a returning customer, by simply enabling browser caching, you'll actually be able to speed up the page loading time as well. And again, if these are things that are just a little bit too technical to understand, uh, have a chat with your website developer or obviously uh, get in touch with uh, with Glennis here and I can answer your questions. Okay. And if someone asks the same question a few times, that might be another um tip. What we're going to do, just to interrupt there, is um, have Sophie as a regular guest. Now, in May, she was, I think, the first of the month. So, in June, she'll be the first of the month. So, around the first of the month, now, sometimes on the weekends, we have the listener's choice. So, if the weekend is the first of the month, she'll be on the second or the third. So, it'll be the first of the month or the first working day after that. So, um, yeah, if you've got questions, then please let us know and we'll um, we'll ask Sophie to answer those questions because if you've got questions, I'm sure a lot of other people will. Now, just going to number four here, you talked about using high-quality images, videos optimised for the web. Was there anything else that you'd like to say about that or you've said enough there? Yeah, no, I do want to add to that one. I did obviously create them as two separate points. What's really yeah. important ultimately is that people don't move away from using high-quality images and videos. Okay. High-quality images and videos are really well worth their investment. Um, obviously, it's really critical when you have a professional product or a professional service that the images and the video and any other type of marketing assets that you create to showcase that product or service is as professional as you intend it to be. So using a professional photographer or videographer, purchasing high-quality stock images, they are really important to make sure that your website ultimately looks really good. As you can imagine, if someone is coming onto your website and actually is looking to potentially buy your product or, or certainly make an inquiry about your service, you want to make sure that you're really putting your best foot forward and certainly having really high quality images and video is going to do that for you. But again, obviously, just make sure that those aren't going to work against you by being too large on your website. Just make sure they're always optimized um, for page loading and for the website experience. Yep, yep. All right. Now, the next one, which is number three, is to make sure your website is mobile responsive. So what do we mean by mobile responsive? Is that mobile phones? Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So mobile responsive, I'm, I'm quite sure that a lot of people have heard about it, but it might still cause some confusion. So there's a few things I'll mention on this one because it is quite an important uh, uh, particular topic for improving a website, hence why I put it as number three. So it was actually in 2014, so a couple of years ago now, Google launched a new algorithm that rewards mobile responsive websites. So ultimately what they're saying here, what they're saying to people who have websites is that they're recognizing the 
the fact that a lot of people are using smartphones and tablets, their their mobile devices uh, per se, to access the internet and obviously go through to websites. So what they're trying to encourage businesses to do is to make sure their websites are mobile responsive and obviously in return is that they will help them to rank higher in Google. The reality is if your website isn't mobile responsive, you're going to have a tough time ranking in Google when your competitors have a mobile responsive website. Unfortunately, that's just the way the world is going and mobile devices really are here to stay. Now, that being said, mobile responsive, it can be a bit of an elusive term and it might not be immediately clear to someone if their website is mobile responsive. As you can imagine, if you have a look on on the on the internet using your phone or another mobile device, you might you might look at your website and go, no, my website is fine. It opens well on this particular small device. I can read it. You know, I've got to kind of pinch and zoom and look around. But, you know, what are you telling me? It's not mobile responsive. So the way to actually test it, one kind of quick trick is to open up your website on your desktop, on your computer, open up full screen, and then use your mouse to pull in one of the corner tabs to slowly, slowly reduce that browser on your screen in front of you. Now, if your website is mobile responsive, what you'll see happening is you'll see the elements of your website essentially readjusting themselves to fit into the screen. So nothing nothing gets reduced in size. Things just essentially shuffle and reconfigure. Now, what will happen if your website isn't mobile responsive is when you pull the corner up and in, you'll actually find that part of your website is getting more and more cut off and you won't be able to read those sections anymore. So unfortunately, that means that your website isn't mobile responsive and it's really time to do something about it. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Yep, yep. Now, I've heard of people where it's mobile responsive on one device, but not another. I mean, should they be checked to be like Android and iPhone and iPad? Yeah, definitely. So one one element when you do work with a website developer or professional is you want to make sure that one of the particular tasks that they do when they launch or relaunch your website if you're doing a rebuild is they need to include a testing phase. So that means they're going to test on all of the major browsers. Like I mentioned before, we've got Firefox, Safari, Internet Explorer, and a number of others. So your website should be tested across all of those. And then not only test on iPhone, but also test on Android. And certainly by all means as well, when you're at that stage of building your website or rebuilding your website, really make sure that your website developer gives you access so you can test it for yourself and make sure that you're really happy with how it displays. All right. Now we've got number two. We've sort of done the countdown now. We're up to number two. I can almost hear the drum roll. (laughs) Number two is use clear calls to action throughout your website. Yes. So now that we've discussed some of the technical and display elements of the website, we're going to have a look at the copy. Now, copy, again, can be one of those confusing words. Essentially, the copy is the written words on your website. So when someone arrives on your homepage, the question you have to ask yourself is, what do you want them to do? Likewise, when they view your product or service page, what do you want them to do? And again, when they add a product to their shopping cart, if you have an e-commerce website, what do you want them to do? And I'm pretty sure the answer is quite simple. You want them to buy. So calls to action are the action-oriented words that direct your website visitors to take the next step. When someone arrives on your homepage, you want them to move through and have a look through the rest of your website and learn more about what you can offer. When someone has a look at your product or service, you might want them to 
to make an inquiry about your service, you might want them to make a booking, or you might want them to actually physically buy your product online. So it's really important to have a little bit of a look through your website and sit back and have a look at it as if you were a new customer. You've never looked at your website before. Now, this can be easier said than done. It might not be a bad idea to get a friend or a family member or even a customer to give you this particular feedback to talk through what they're experiencing, what they're looking at, what they're thinking about when they're going through your website. So essentially, the calls to action are usually buttons and colored text, which are those action-oriented words to tell people what you want them to do. It's all well and good to think that your website is all ready to go. It looks beautiful. It's mobile responsive. It performs well on all different devices. But ultimately, if you're not asking your customer what you want them to do on your website, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. Yep. Yep. I think that's good. And I, I, this is the drum roll now. This is the number one. And I think this is a, it's not just a, a tip for a website, it's a tip for a business. And that's mm. provide a solution to your customer's problem. So I'm sure you'd like to talk about that. Yes. So above all, your website must solve your customer's problem. So one of the most common mistakes business owners actually make, now this is obviously not going to be just on their website. It may be on other marketing materials such as flyers. It could be even on social media as well. But essentially, one of the things that we often end up doing with all the best intentions in the world is we often end up talking about ourselves and our businesses. We know how great we are and we certainly want our customers to know how great we are. But unfortunately, the reality is your customers aren't interested in you. They are looking for a solution to their problem and they need to know that you can provide one. So again, one of the most important filters to put on when you're having a look at your website and looking to see if you can improve it is to really ask yourself, am I solving my customer's problem? Straight away when they land on the homepage and when they have a look at your product or service pages and they go to contact you, are you really showing them how you can solve their problem? Yep. Yep. No, that's good. That's, I think that's, that's a very important one. So hopefully people have got these tips today and um, thought a bit more about their website. So if they don't have a website, they've got a bit more information about getting a website. And if they do have a website, they might want to just go through these tips just to think, is my website providing all of this? Is my website doing all of this? And go from there. And if you've got any more questions, then please let us know. And we'll put those questions to Sophie at another time, usually the first of the month or the next business day after that. Now, Sophie, you've said Archer Creative. Archercreative.net.au is the best way to contact you. Is that Sophie at Archercreative.net.au? Is that right? That is correct. Yep, you're very welcome to flick me an email if you have any questions. And you can certainly give me a call on 1300 077 126. Wonderful. All right, good to talk to you today, Sophie. And uh, we'll talk to you again the first of next month. Perfect. Thank you so much, Glennis. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 